Friday, March the 4th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Zelensky wants direct Putin talks and a nuclear deal is set ablaze. First, the world in brief. Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, said he wants to have direct talks with Vladimir Putin, his Russian counterpart. Mr. Zelensky said one-on-one meetings are, quote, the only way to stop this war. In a televised speech, Mr. Putin, who is yet to respond, says his, quote, special military operation in Ukraine is going, quote, according to plan. A Ukrainian official who participated in talks with Russia said the two countries have tentatively agreed to establish safe corridors for the evacuations of civilians and transport of aid. Ceasefires will be observed in those areas, he said. A conversation between Mr Putin and Emmanuel Macron left the French president convinced that, quote, the worst is yet to come, said a French official. That seemed to refer to a total Russian takeover of Ukraine. Parts of the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant, close to the southern eastern town of Enohodar, caught fire after repeated shelling by Russian forces and fighting around the site. The plant is the largest of its type in Europe. The endangered reactor was shut down as a safety precaution and the fire is thought to be under control. Elsewhere, civilians in Mariupol, a southern port city, have been unable to leave because of ceaseless shelling. The mayor of Kiev, Vitaly Klitschko, said that the capital remains under Ukrainian control, but the situation is, quote, difficult. The Polish government said it would increase its defence spending to 3% of GDP in 2023, exceeding the 2% NATO target, which aims to ensure the alliance's military readiness. Poland has welcomed more than 500,000 people fleeing Ukraine. Elsewhere, Georgia's Prime Minister signed the country's application to join the EU, two days after Mr Zelensky had submitted his. Leaders of the Quad, America, Australia, India and Japan, vowed to prevent war in the Indo-Pacific in light of the invasion of Ukraine. India is the only country in the grouping that is yet to condemn the war. But all four fear that China could use this as an opportunity to move against Taiwan, which it claims as its own. America targeted Russian oligarchs with a raft of fresh sanctions, including visa restrictions and asset seizures. The targets include Dmitry Peskov, Mr Putin's spokesman. America said it would seize yachts, cash and other, quote, ill-gotten gains. The Department of Justice has set up a, quote, klepto-capture task force for the purpose. America also placed sanctions on some organisations that help spread disinformation for Moscow. Russian authorities continue to arrest those who protest against the war. More than 7,000 people have been detained in the past week, according to an independent monitor. The government has restricted access to much of the country's liberal media and lawmakers are preparing a bill that will punish the publication of, quote, fake news concerning military action with up to 15 years in prison. Meanwhile, the Education Ministry broadcast a lesson on national television to teach children, quote, why the liberation mission in Ukraine is a necessity. Other news. Emmanuel Macron, France's president, 
said he would run for a second term in the election in April. If he is successful, which is likely according to the Economist's forecasting model, he would be the first French president to win re-election in two decades. The Sackler family, who own Purdue Pharma, a drug maker, agreed to pay $6 billion in cash to people affected by America's opioids crisis after it was accused of fueling the problem. A judge must approve the proposed settlement. Argentina agreed a preliminary $45 billion debt restructuring deal with the IMF. It must now be accepted by the IMF's executive board and Argentina's congress. Inflation in Turkey hit 54% in February, year on year. And fact of the day, 10,000, the number of people or firms subject to American sanctions, covering everything from torture to cryptocurrencies. And now here's today's agenda. The post-post-Cold War era. Russia's invasion of Ukraine is shifting geopolitics. America and its European and Asian allies are imposing crippling economic sanctions. The EU, an economic club, is even paying to send weapons to Ukraine. Russia has been moving closer to China and will become increasingly dependent on it. For President Joe Biden, this is a global contest of democracy against autocracy. Democracies would like to split the Eurasian giants, as Richard Nixon did in 1972. But that would be a tall order. Their presidents, Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin, are tight. Another option would be to win over more of the countries that encircle Eurasia. But many, including India, Israel and Turkey, are havering over how to respond because of political or economic ties to Russia. The stakes are getting higher. Russia has rattled its nuclear sabre three times in as many weeks. China is building a stock of warheads. In an increasingly unpredictable world, avoiding nuclear rearmament and proliferation may become harder. Jobs growth in America In January, American employers added a robust 467,000 jobs to their payrolls, even as cases of the Omicron COVID-19 variant surged. Infections have since subsided, but demand for workers has not. Economists expect a similar number in February's data, due on Friday. The unemployment rate has probably dropped by 0.1 percentage points to 3.9%. At this pace, by the end of the year, America will have regained the 2.9 million jobs still missing since before the pandemic started. Central bankers are much more worried about inflation than unemployment. Russia's war in Ukraine has sent oil prices surging, which may force the Federal Reserve to raise interest rates more aggressively than it might otherwise have done. Jerome Powell, the chair of the Fed, has promised to be, quote, nimble, despite the, quote, highly uncertain economic consequences of the invasion and the Western response. Markets anticipate five increases in 2022, each a quarter of a percentage point. The first will come this month. Brazil's economic woes 
As COVID-19 tightened its grip in 2020, South America's largest economy shrank by 3.9%, the biggest drop on record. Figures for 2021, due on Friday, are expected to show Brazil's GDP grew by 4.5%, bringing it back to the level of 2019. The past few months have been difficult for many. Inflation is 10.6%. The central bank raised interest rates eight times last year to today's 10.75%. GDP is thought to have grown by just 0.2% in the fourth quarter. Brazil's populist president, Jair Bolsonaro, is up for re-election in October. His chances will be damaged if voters blame him for economic woes. But in a warming world, future leaders may oversee worse. Brazilian GDP is already 13.5% less than it would have been without global warming, according to a new report by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. By 2100, the difference could be 83%. A rocket comes for the moon. At 12.26pm GMT on Friday, a rocket, more precisely, a 3,600 kilogram piece of one, is expected to crash into the far side of the moon at a speed of 2.58 kilometers per second. It is thought to be the detached booster of a Chinese rocket launched in 2014. The crash poses no threat to humans, but it has renewed the debate about extraterrestrial litter. An estimated 36,500 objects more than 10 centimetres wide are orbiting Earth. Smaller pieces of debris number well over 100 million. Some worry space junk will change the lunar environment. Others fear it will cause accidents. In 2021, debris from a satellite almost collided with the International Space Station. But NASA says Friday's impact will be a, quote, exciting research opportunity. The American Space Agency, which has deliberately crashed numerous objects into the moon, could spend months searching for the crater the object leaves behind. Slippery decisions in Beijing There was always a risk that the Paralympic Winter Games, which begin today in Beijing, would be overshadowed by politics just as diplomatic boycotts preceded the Winter Olympics last month. Russia's invasion of Ukraine then created a new crisis. On March 2nd, the International Paralympic Committee declared that it had taken the, quote, strongest possible actions, partly by forcing Russian and Belarusian athletes to compete as neutrals. The IPC could not ban them from the event, it argued, because it lacked the procedures to ban the two teams. But less than 24 hours later, the committee reversed its decision after other teams threatened to pull out. The IPC chose to expel the 83 Russian and Belarusian athletes rather than watch the Paralympics fall apart. Given that the hosts are Russia's most useful ally, these disruptions to China's games will have reverberations well beyond the world of sport. Daily Quiz Your last question this week. Today, your challenge is to give all five answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm GMT on Friday, 
to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Friday. What is the slang name for people smugglers who operate on the Mexico-US border? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Dingling, who died on this day in 1986. Happiness is to take up the struggle in the midst of the raging storm and not to pluck the lute in the moonlight or recite poetry among the blossoms. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 